We're in week two of our series called Transformed. Last week, we, by looking at a passage from 2 Corinthians 5, we painted a picture, a vision of a transformed life. The Apostle Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. We talked about how that identity is in Christ. That is a life that is compelled by love. And I gave you some questions to kind of look under the hood of our character for a minute. And as we think about this process of transformation, it is an inside-out process. It is not an outside-in process. When I was in high school, drove a 1976 Ford Elite. Some of you may remember that. The front end, I think, went to Rick in the second row. But that car had some transmission issues. It had some engine issues. But what did I do? I spent my time on repainting it. Got some Bondo, sanded it up, took a Dural Shives. I'll paint any car, any color for $99.95. And that was the transformation process. You better tape it up before uh, you go to the paint shop. But anyway, after I got it painted, that car didn't last much longer because from the inside, it was messed up. When we talk about transformation, we are talking about an inside-out process. And I just want to review these questions with you quickly. First of all, we said, uh, what is the first thing you think about in the morning? What is the last thing you think about before you go to bed? What is, what's there? How did you respond the last time? You were squeezed the last time somebody got under your skin a little bit. How did you respond? How do you pray for your enemies? How do you pray for those who make your life a little bit more difficult? And then when was the last time you sacrificed or risked something for Jesus? And how did you feel in response to that? So we're, we're getting under the hood a little bit. It's a little bit of a check to see where is your heart, where is the CEO of yourself this morning. Now, as I look at those questions, as you look at those questions, you may be convicted at some level. You may say, I would like to be more like Jesus. I would like to be more led by the love of Christ in every aspect of my life. I would like to have a character that represented Christ had the blessing yesterday of uh, performing a celebration of life uh, service um, for, uh, for somebody who's a part of our church for, uh, for a few years. And it was beautiful to see, uh, her name was Colleen, beautiful soul, but how she represented Christ in every aspect of her life. Whether it was her business, whether it was her love for her adopted son, whether it was in her small group, whether it was through Tricapa, we just heard a consistent story. It's what I believe God wants our life to be, a consistent inside-out picture of the love of Christ. So as we think about that and as we try to apply God's word this morning, I believe there are three pathways for growth, three options. The first one is to try hard. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Use your willpower to change. 
It's all about your effort. It's all about your work. I'm going to go out on a limb and say if you've tried that, it doesn't work. It may work for a minute, but there's a cycle of try hard, guilt, shame. Try hard, guilt, shame. Try hard, guilt, shame. Whatever that nasty habit is, whatever that attitude is that you know you need to change, just trying harder, just exercising your will, will not lead to long-term change. The second option is to simply tap out. Say, I'm done. I've got these habits, I've got these attitudes, I've got these sinful desires. I've tried, it hasn't worked. I'm done. Jesus, I know you're going to forgive me. I know I'm saved by grace through faith. I'll see you in heaven someday. But in the meantime, I'm tapped out and I'm done battling. I have given up. I will accept a life of less fruitfulness because I've tapped out. I've given up. My guess is we've all done some of that. But I believe God has a better way. And our passage this morning is going to help us because we're going to train. We're going to train this morning with the power of God's word. We're going to go to the Apostle Paul again. And I'm going to take you to, I think, one of the most powerful training passages in the Bible. I'm going to take you to Colossians 3, and I'm going to, we're going to look at Paul's words of instructions to the church at Colossae. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this church. It's a, it's a, it's a message of encouragement. It's a message of correction. But one of the issues with the church at Colossae was they, uh, they suffered from what's known as syncretism. This is where they mix up a bunch of things. So they had a mix of, of Judaism, of all the... Uh, the dietary laws and the festivals and the rituals. They also had this Greek, Roman, pagan past. And then they had some Christianity. So a little mix of all three. I think there's a little bit of that going on in our world today, perhaps. But a mix of all that. And Paul's going to correct them and he's going to give them hope. So let me read this passage as a whole, and then we'll, we'll break it down, and I'll give you a roadmap for training this morning. Paul begins, and he says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off 
your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It's our passage this morning. We're going to focus a lot on the first part. Our transformational roadmap, our training will look this way. We're going to look at a with Christ logic, a with Christ lens, and a with Christ life. Let me take you, first of all, to the with Christ logic. As a follower of Jesus, you can use your reason, you can use your logic. I want you to look at one through four again. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Why? Why would you set your hearts on things above? Because that's where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, as you understand the logic, this is the why. This is the sense then. This is in light of this. So, my friends, it's so critical that, first of all, we reason the right way. Now, how does Paul follow it? He goes to verse 5, and he says this. Put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Therefore, in light of this. Now, this is the way they thought at the church at Colossae. Some of them, they had this, this pagan background where like prostitution and all these things was the norm. It was the norm. As long as it wasn't too excessive. Prostitution in moderation was okay. Now, if you think like a pagan, there's a logic to it. Because they said, look, you got a spirit. you got an intellect. You think your deep thoughts, think philosophy, all that kind of stuff. All that Plato, all that, all that stuff. And then you have a body that's kind of evil and all that. And it doesn't matter. Your body doesn't matter. So you can do whatever you want with your body as long as your thinking and your ideas are correct. That's the way they thought. There's a logic to that. If my body doesn't matter, then do whatever you want with it. Jesus is going to say, no, there's a different way. There's a different logic here. Your life is hidden with Christ. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Your body will live on forever. Jesus honors the body. There's a different logic. So the things we're going to put to death, we do that in response to the right thinking about who God is and what he's done for us. Are you with me on this? We, we ought not think like pagans. As followers of Jesus, we have a different logic 
we have a different way of reasoning. In this society, and I think sometimes in ours, everything was compartmentalized and prioritized. It was not integrated. Part of what this teaching on how we are to live is connected the way we, to the way we think about God. So there's a logic. Then there is a with Christ lens. All right, what does a lens do? A lens helps you focus. Sometimes we're out of focus. Sometimes things are too small. Sometimes things are too big. Sometimes they're blurry. But there is a logic to this. And there is a lens that helps us focus. So I want to take you back, back to one through four. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. What is your heart? What is your heart? Your heart is your decision maker. Your heart is the CEO of the self. Your heart is the one that decides. It is the center of who you are. The Word is telling us to focus our hearts on things above. He also says, set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. What are earthly things? The pattern of this world. That puts you and puts me at the very center. What I want, what my desires are, I want it and I want it now. Don't mess with me. That is the way of this world. That's the pattern of this world. Paul says, no, 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 no. Set your mind on things above. Now, sometimes people get tripped up. Things above. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. People are like, well, is there like a big chair in heaven? Is there like a literal deal right now? You remember the cosmonaut uh, Yuri something back in 1961? He said this. He said, well, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've gone up to space. Yuri Gagarin, he says, uh, I went to space I didn't encounter God. I've searched it. My friends, when we think about the kingdom, get beyond your just literal wooden thinking. My goodness, there is a kingdom that is, that is beyond our capacity to understand, our capacity to see. But one day... One day that kingdom will be sight. That is a real deal. But get beyond just the, the simplistic thinking sometimes. But there's a lens to focus on things that are above, to, think, to focus on the kingdom. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have a lens that gives us a particular point to focus on. Now, 
we focus our lens, we see this picture, we think of things above, but then you and I are in this picture. Where is your life? For you died, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as you focus on that and you have a vision for your life, how clear is that picture for you? Does that logic, does that lens catch on fire in your heart and soul? To say my life, your life is now hidden with Christ as I live this life on this earth right now and all that we're going through. Spiritually, I am with Christ. We live in between this already not yet world. Jesus has already died. He has already paid the penalty for our sins. Many of us have already put our faith and trust in Christ. We are in Christ. But we still live in this world where we fight and we have challenges. Now, you can tap out. You can keep trying hard. Or perhaps there's another option. There's another option. As we begin to think about how we can move beyond simply trying harder and getting in this pattern of trying and then tapping out and going back and forth, we're reminded that we're not alone. When I... When I grasp when I focus on that my life is hidden with Christ, how do I know that to be true? How do I know that to be true? That's a fair question, isn't it? How do I know this to be true? God says, look, I have given you the Holy Spirit. I have given you the Holy Spirit. He says this in uh, Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what is the basis or your reality as a follower of Jesus? What is that basis? Is it your feelings? <laughs> is it your circumstances? That's not a very stable thing. <laughs> feelings can go up and down. Of course, circumstances can go up and down. So do you have a basis do you have a logic? Do you have a lens to see that you're being guided, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, one way of looking at it is to say, am I led by my feelings and my circumstances? No. Learning to believe to be true 
that which doesn't feel to be true is the essence of spiritual growth. Let me say that again. Learning to believe to be true, that which doesn't feel to be true, is essential for your growth. That's why Paul prays this for you know, lots of his churches. He prays this in Ephesians 1. He says I, that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that they would be able to see. Now, we've got a lens kind of based on a logic. Now let's get to like real life. How do we actually live this out? I don't know about you, but I know people and I can look in the mirror and I can have deep thoughts about God. I can have correct thoughts about God. I can have buttoned up theological ideas about God and still not change can happen so how do we have a with Christ life how do you actually live in this world there's a process Colossians 3 5 put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry Think about that process for a minute. Put this to death. How do you put this to death? God's word's always going to get to our heart. Starts with sexual immorality, things you can see, impurity, lust, it's getting to the heart. Reminds you that it's an echo of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, whatever you think about is just fine. It's not what he says, right? Anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's what Jesus is interested in, in our hearts. Put to death that. How do we do that? We understand that process that's always going deeper. To put to death is to take away the power of those earthly things. Now there's a warning here. Verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Don't exactly love talking about the wrath of God. That's God's intense anger towards sin. There are consequences to that. Now an eternal... But who would God be without hatred of sin? Just look the other way, no big deal. Looking at this culture of rampant prostitution and immorality, yeah, no big deal. So, no, no. There's a better way. There is a better way. 3, 7, and 8, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He's going after the physical stuff, and he's also going after this, the way we talk. Expressions of anger. Attitudes. 
He goes on, 9 through 11, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, or a special case of barbarian, the Scythians, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That is your new self. That is your new identity. You have put on Christ. Now, how do you do that? How, let's get real practical for a minute. How do you actually do that? How do you actually train? We don't simply try harder to change through our willpower, but here's what we can do. We do what we can in order to enable us to do what we can't do directly. Let me illustrate this for a minute. Think back to 2007. Bears versus Colts. Glorious days. We may never see them again in our lifetime. You might remember it was a rainy field. It was a rainy field. Two quarterbacks. The pride of Bloomington South High School. Rex Grossman for the Bears. Our beloved Peyton for the Colts. It was a rainy field. Two different ways of approaching that. For Rex, I actually saw Rex play, coached against Rex when he was at Bloomington South. I was at Ben Davis. It was a long night for the Giants. The kid could put it on a rope. But that particular day, Rex couldn't handle the ball very well. He kept the, the, the center snap exchange was bad. Peyton, no problem. Peyton, no problem. And when they interviewed him after the game, this is what, this is what Peyton said. He said, I practice that all the time when no one is watching. So come to find out every week, he and Jeff Saturday after practice would, would put a bunch of water on the footballs. They would actually practice with wet footballs. So when nobody else was looking, when nobody else was paying attention, that was their training. So when the time came, they were ready. You practice, you do what you can do to prepare you to enable to do what you can't yet do. Are you with me on this? Now, let's apply this spiritually. This is your practice. This is your practice. Now, I'm excited. We're going to, uh, Pastor Dean and I are going to team up and do a spiritual disciplines class here towards the end of the month. Okay, more on that to come. You can sign up online. But I'm going to give you homework practice today. This is not like a fluffy, feel-good sermon. This is training. This is practice. All right? This is what I want you to do this week. If you, if you walked in, you got a scripture memory card. If you got that, you can take that out. I can think, I, I mean, at the top of the list of training practices is scripture memory is the memorization of Scripture. This is a practice. This is a what I do, what you do behind the scenes that can prepare us for what is to come. 
how do you set your mind? How do you set your heart? You get God's word in it. My friends, there's no replacement for that. You can listen to hours and hours and hours and hours of podcasts, which can be great. You can read all kinds of books, and, and they can be helpful. But there's no replacement for getting God's word here. For getting God's word here. So this is my challenge to each one of us this week. Wherever you are in your walk, if you've been following Jesus for 50 years or you're just here because somebody drug you, I want to challenge you to commit to train to get God's word in your heart and in your mind. Now, here's how I did it this past week. I had it on my phone. I didn't have my card yet. And I'd carry that around with me. I got the Fridays are my day with my granddaughter, Eleanor. She's so sweet. But I spent a lot of time just reciting that scripture to her. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I can, I can, I'm sitting with her and I'm talking to her about that. I'm praying for her right then. You can do that. You're with your kids. You're with your grandkids. You're Good night. I think we waste a lot of time. I think we waste a lot of time. Are you with me? Can you commit to spend some time not just glancing over God's word, but memorizing? There's a logic to it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Why? It's where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Now, carry that with you. Talk to it with your kids and grandkids. You're at a stoplight. You've got it there. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your dashboard. Commit that thing. Because what will happen? Your thoughts? I'm angry. Oh. Since then you've been raised with Christ. You struggle with lust. You struggle with pornography. Whatever it is you struggle with that's on that list. Everybody's got something. The root's the same. It's idolatry. It's putting something above God. But get God's word in your heart and in your mind. Will you commit to do that this week? Will you commit? Take that card, one through four, start with one, put it together, get the logic to it. Don't just rote memory, get the logic to it. Think about it. There's different thoughts. They hang together, one verse at a time. Let's do it. Now, it's time for us to go to the communion table. And I believe this passage, in a beautiful way, sets us up for the table. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? That means Christ died for you. Christ paid the penalty for your sins. We see that symbolism in baptism. We also see it at the table. And we're reminded that on the night Jesus was betrayed, 
took the bread and he broke it and after giving thanks, he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So may we receive the bread together. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is my blood, the blood of a, the new covenant. My blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. May we receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you in this moment. We're so thankful. We're thankful that we are in Christ now. We have life with you now. And because you rose, we have life with you that is forever. Give us a clearer picture of that today so that we may not only think right and have the right logic and have the right focus, but we can live a life that brings glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.